just give you guys a little bit of a background. We wanted to get to know some of the men a little bit better and also have them ask some questions maybe they might have on their heart about the church, about ministry. But ultimately, we're hoping to help draw men closer to the Lord uh, versus what do you think of this view of the end time scenario? I mean, a lot of us, we have opinions and uh, there's a lot of uh, the essentials we all agree on. But the things that aren't crystal clear, uh, a lot of times we've seen a lot of people get real divisive over it. Um, and so we've tried to work on that. There's one of the questions in here about how to keep the unity. And I think what's best is we've got, I've got a whole page here, and then Joe just texted me about ten more questions. So <laughs> I, I think it might be good to go through and, and maybe pull out the ones that are going to be the best benefit for the men uh, and what can really encourage you. Because I think you want to leave here encouraged and strengthened as men. It's hard right now. Is it not? Yes. Just me? <laughs> it's it's a hard to walk. I mean, just you wanting to protect your family and lead your family, and and uh, we just need encouragement. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the question, and then I'll probably since I'm reading it, I'll answer briefly, and then let Pastor Abram answer as well. Uh, what we need to do is go kind of qu- quickly, or we're not going to get through them, but we don't want to go so quickly to where we don't give an adequate answer. But there's something that you'd like more comments or more more information on, let us know afterwards. Amen. And if I don't get to everyone, maybe we can sit down and do a podcast yes, sir. later, and then we can actually release it as an audio podcast of all the ones we didn't get to. Um, so right out of the gate, boy, you guys weren't holding back anything. Uh, should I still go to the marriage revival <laughs> on 3.30 if I think my marriage is good? Wouldn't that be a waste of time? Oh, wow. Yeah, define good. I mean, you guys remember when I thought our marriage was an eight and Morgan thought it was like a two or three. Uh, because, guys, we view it differently. Hey, if the bills are paid and food's on the table and things are going good, I'm good. Yes. But the women are more relational. And if you don't make an attempt to do that, your marriage will die relationally, even yeah. though it's going good financially or physically or yeah. emotionally. And, and, and so the quick answer or the brief answer is I, I think it's good for anyone because – what you're doing, two things, you're strengthening your foundation. Even, it's good, but how do you make it even better? How do we even add more concrete to that foundation? And a man in our church actually uh, sent out an email that he's taking off that night early, and he's stopping his business and encouraging people to come to that. And his wife really probably, I'm sure, appreciates that because it shows, hey, I'm putting something into this marriage. Amen. Although you might think it's good. Uh, she might feel that it's really needed. Yeah. So I would say, even if your marriage is good, define good, then I would, I would definitely say it's never a waste of time to invest in that marriage. And if you're listening to this later, uh, you can go on to the archives on YouTube and, and listen to the marriage revival conference on March 30th. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Is it a waste of time? No, sir. No, sir. Are you coming? Great points. Yes. Okay. I'll be here. Uh, it's funny. We were working on our, um, our session and, we were talking about three areas, and one of them was submission. And as we were working through that, I realized that I hadn't been submitting to my wife. I come from a different background where, I, honestly, women are told to sit down, be quiet. That's it. And they didn't have much of a voice um, in the home. And I had to apologize to my wife as we, as I searched. I said, babe, is there any areas where I've submitted to you in the past? You know, I'm and uh, God really convicted me of that. So 
I would say yes, if you can be there, because we all have blind spots. We all have areas where we can grow in our marriage. And um, definitely know that your wife will appreciate you putting that effort forth to, to strengthen your marriage, even if you're in a good season. Amen. And this, actually, I want to springboard off of that. It'll lead right into number two. Number two is list a few ways you can put the needs of your wife first in your marriage. And why is that so important? And he made an interesting statement just a minute ago on submission. And we actually view it. Did you know I think it's okay for guys to submit to the needs of the family? I mean, it's not, here's where we're going, follow me, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, there's been times where we have our kids homeschooled right now. My wife came to me last year and said, I can't keep doing this. I mean, we need to to get this boy into some kind of program because he's Mm -hmm. driving me crazy. And so Mm -hmm. I submit, Tito, you know, I submitted to the needs of that family. And or my daughter needs certain things. So you're kind of, it's not this tight, you know, just... Just follow me. I don't care what anybody says. You, you submit. It's, it's really looking at the needs of your family and putting them first. Yeah. And so there is mutual submission. So I think that whole word has been really misused. But to answer the question, list a few ways you put the needs of your wife first in your marriage. It, and why is it so important? It's really important because that's what will keep the marriage together. That will keep her loving you. Uh, that will keep her really appreciating you and respecting you. They notice when a man is selfish yeah. and when he's not. A perfect example, many of you know, when we go on a family vacation, if it were up to me, I'd be fishing morning, noon, and night. You know, <laughs> I'll see you later. I'll be back in about 12 hours. But I rarely go by myself when we're on vacation. I submit to what they want to do. Um, and with my wife, too, the same. Uh, that would be one example. Another way would be... Um, Probably just whatever they want to do. I know there's, for example, a, a, a surprise baby shower on Saturday she wants me to go to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last place yeah, you want to be. So, you know, and so, oh, yeah, I'd love to go and spend time together. So there's, there's, there's ways like that, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's just basically it's not being selfish uh, and putting, trying to put their needs. I haven't mastered it, but I think that's the key. Amen. List a few ways you put the needs of your wife first. I had to reach out to my wife because um, I just wanted to hear from her perspective, you know, because my perspective is different from hers. But um, she mentioned um, of late, the last six months or so, we've been um, intentional to uh, to have time apart um, with each other. Um, that's one of the ways that we do that. Uh, you know, I put her first. Another way is laundry. <laughs> oh. um, I've taken that off of her and I do the laundry and I um, fold and with five kids that's that's a, a big chore yeah. um yeah it's not fun don't get me wrong I hate it but um because you I've you know I've done it a few times and you put the clothes away and the kids just go in there and just do this and you're like no I just spent an hour you know folding but anyways dishes vacuuming dishes. so yeah. just helping around the house more um helping uh with homeschooling a little bit giving her uh, a little uh, time to to take a breather sometimes from that. Um, so those are ways that I've tried to uh, of late to to put my wife first in our marriage. All right, it's going to get interesting. Do I take scripture literally when it says? So the first, just reading that is yes, we take scripture literally. Uh, now, literal interpretation of scripture is pretty clear, obviously in Revelation and different things. There's allegory or there's analogy, and but when Scripture is to be taken literally, we take it literally. And the question was, the man who marries a divorced woman, he commits adultery. 
And we've got the reference up there. And so that, yes, we take that literally. And is a woman only free to remarry if her husband dies? Uh, and that's the references up there as well. If you want a lot of information on this, I just actually did a podcast mm-hmm. for 30 minutes a month ago on divorce, separation, and remarriage, and giving a biblical perspective, looking at all the different views, all the different scriptures. Um, and this won't pertain to a lot of people in this room, maybe somebody listening. But yes, we take it seriously, and we, we put marriage at a very high value. Uh, so if he marries a divorced woman, does he commit adultery? We agree with Luke 16 and 18, of course. Mm-hmm. However, then Jesus, in another passage, goes on to say that, except in the case of, there we go, good job, Levy. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, um, yeah, let's read it. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And Jesus said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts. See, they were just letting women go. Like, I'm getting rid of you. You cooked, you cooked the, the you, you burnt the beef. You just, I'm just divorce, just getting rid of divorce. Now, because of the hardness of their heart, Moses allowed a certificate of divorce that would actually release the spouse. And uh, God even told through Jeremiah, told the children of Israel that he is giving them a certificate of divorce. God used that same language to the children of Israel in Jeremiah. I just read that last week. So he permits, uh, he permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. And his disciples said to him, if such is the case with man and his wife, it's better not to marry. And we, that might surprise us a little bit, but divorce was very common, uh, especially in that time. It was just... You know, next model and move on. And so because of the hardness of their hearts. So, yes, we believe that a man should not marry a divorced woman. However, you look at the uh, the context around the marriage. Was he was he unfaithful? Like Jesus says, is there biblical grounds what they call biblical grounds? And then you could open up that can of worms a little bigger and talk about first Corinthians also where Paul says, if an unbeliever departs from the marriage, you're not under bondage in such cases. But then you have people like John Piper who say, nope, unless somebody dies, you can never remarry ever, ever, ever again. Interesting, his son just got divorced a couple months, years ago, and I wonder if he's revisiting now a little bit. Uh, but then you have John MacArthur, many of you follow him in the study Bible, and he talks about um, not under bondage in such cases, and also uh, in case of sexual immorality. And so that's what we believe is yes. in cases of... However, there are so many different... Let's say a person's on back to the Lord, they have this terrible divorce nine years ago, there's nothing they can do, they're, and they're, they're repentant, they're at the altar, That per, their pers, the person they divorced, or vice versa, has moved on, they're married again, you can't go and fix that. And so God looks at the heart, as the person is seeking God, I believe God will direct them one way or the other, but that's how we encourage people, to seek God, let God answer that question, but also sharing with Scripture, listen, if you're dating someone who's, they got a divorce... And it's not, it wasn't a biblical divorce. That's some dangerous water. Yes, you know, I don't even know. That's why I don't do too many weddings either. <laughs> I kind of, you know, I'm a little bit selective on what I, what I want to allow um, or what I want to validate. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we do take that, that scripture literally. Sorry if I went on too long. Oh, I covered it all. Oh, yeah. Nothing to add? Oh, okay. <laughs> good. So divorce, separation, and remarriage. You can find it on YouTube. And I talk about all the passages in Matthew and other examples. Uh, and you know what I've noticed over the years? You have too. People know if there's a conviction, you can tell they know that 
they didn't do things right, and yeah. they need to fix something, they need to repair something. also shared my own personal experience in the 1990s on that YouTube video as well, on what I went through, and so you can listen to that. John 13, 35, question 4, says, All will know that we are disciples if we have love for one another. Mm. Mm. Isn't that so true? That's the key. Not proper theology, which is great. But there's so many people who come and go out of this church with great theology, but they're as hard as a piece of, of steel. Mm-hmm. The heart's not right. The heart is just not right. And so you really know someone's walking with the Lord. They'll have theology and love for one another. And then I think it mentioned, uh, oh, what hinders us the most? Why, are, why aren't we more loving? I, I put, this is what I uh, thought about what came to my mind first, was not being filled with the Spirit. <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> that's that's yep. it. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is very first. And um, like Pastor said, we know many you know, good people who know the Word, have straight theology, you know, but they're hard, hard as still. Like I said, they, they don't have a love for people. They love arguments, contention. They love to be right rather than to be right with their brother or sister. So... I think the biggest hindrance there, Pastor, is uh, people yeah, not being as filled with I, spirit. There's really not much I can add, other than the fact love never comes really naturally; it comes supernaturally. So I have to repent often. You know, give myself, Lord, help me get a, give me a loving spirit. Let me love. I, I can truly say, I mean, God will strike me with some lightning, maybe, but I, there's nobody in the church right now. <laughs> That I don't have that genuine love for. Amen. You know, it gets challenging. There's times and times where people, and Alex, you asked a good question. We've got like another dozen questions coming in, but, um, uh, I liked what you asked. What is the hardest part about, um, if I can find again. Joe, do you remember it? What was it? Oh, Alex said, what is the toughest part of ministry? Mm. And that's probably that's probably what it is, dealing dealing with, and yeah. and really it's not it's not just people. It's dealing with the hard hearts, because those it's they have you know they know what the Bible says they quote the Bible to you, but they're very critical and their hearts are hard, yeah. so they're divisive. And then you know if there's nobody, there's not a secret. There's nobody in this whole church who is gossiped more about than me and my wife. That's just, that's just, I hear it often. I know it. I used to do it with my old pastor. So I know how it is. You, you want to go get the guy who's, oh, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Why are they doing and, and so I know that because I can say things that are kind and gracious too. So recognizing that. But I think that's the hardest part is dealing with the hard, critical hearts. When, when there's a, like during Ren the Heavens week, Bill, you can probably tell too, huh? It's just peaceful. Unity, we all want to be here, uh, and it's just really, really the camaraderie, the unity. Um, so I think it comes nat- it's supernatural. You have to repent and say, Lord, give me a loving heart. I repent of my hard-heartedness and my callousness, because there really should be no excuse why we don't truly love those who, um, who even don't love us. You know? And if you have questions, make sure you can walk back and, and give those to Joe. Uh, what does Matthew 6.14 mean? about not forgiving others and God won't forgive us if we don't forgive others. So basically that passage says Jesus is telling us to forgive others and if we don't forgive others, then God won't forgive us. 
Now, we know just reading scripture, that has not, that's not really dealing with salvation. You know, my salvation isn't contingent upon me forgiving others. Yeah. But two things could be happening here. Number one, it's genuine fruit. Mm. If a person's not willing to forgive others, they, they probably don't have the forgiveness of God in them. They don't have the work of the Holy Spirit in them. They're probably not even saved. Mm. So God couldn't forgive their sins. They haven't repented and believed. Or if it's dealing with a Christian, I, I've seen this in my own life. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so... There's, there's, uh, have you ever been fighting God, resisting God, and you just like, you're coming up against a block wall and things, you can just tell. So if you're not forgiving others, you're not releasing this bitterness, God will, will hold that against you, in other words, and, and not give you that grace and that mercy and that filling of the Spirit. There'll be a blockage in that relationship. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, that's my thoughts. Amen. Yeah, I just thought, would piggyback on that. Um, it's, it causes uh, just a block in the relationship with God. The fellowship with God, when we have bitterness and unforgiveness for someone, is hindered. Um, and, um, you know, so this is one, of course, area in Scripture that we want to take literally. Um, if I'm not right with my brother, you're not even really supposed to take communion. You're not, you're not supposed to. Your prayers are going to be hindered if you're not right with your wife, you know, in other you know, areas in your life. So this is so important that we are uh, grace givers, forgiving, um, giving, extending to people the grace that we've received. And sometimes you probably do this too. I'm seeking forgiveness Sunday before I preach. <laughs> you know? Yeah, sometimes. Okay, you know, it's okay. Is I'm everything okay? Honest, like, sometimes like an hour before. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay. All right. But yeah. Yeah, especially with the spouse sometimes. Well, yeah, you guys aren't acting yeah, like you have I any problems. Problem. They don't have to come on the 30th. No, they don't have to come on the 30th. <laughs> Why are this is this one's pretty easy? Why are the books of the Bible not in in, in order? Um, well, the Bible's written. Obviously, the New Testament, and Old Testament couldn't be in order. The Old Testament is more it's categorized like the writings of Moses, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what they call the Torah, and then you have the Law, uh, and then you have the history, First, uh, Second Kings, First, Second Chronicles. You have the prophets. So it's broken up into separate categories. Now, there are some Bibles. It's pretty interesting. I wouldn't encourage it to be your Bible unless you have a really a good grasp on the Bible, but you, where you can read through chronologically. Yes. Oh, that makes sense. And it's really, it puts everything in order, but you miss a lot of the, you know, it, you miss really the whole, the whole uh, atmosphere of the Word of God Amen. when you do that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that just instead of, of the Bible. Good. Yep. Okay. Uh, Okay, Abraham, you can start with this okay. one. If a good person doesn't believe in Jesus and spends eternity in hell, how is that a just sentence from a just God? Ooh. Well, <laughs> well, let's define a good person. Um, the truth is, we know there is no such thing as a good person. The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. Um, the people who you look at as the most morally upright, the, I mean, at the heart of hearts, they are depraved. We're depraved. Um, we, are, we are bent towards sin, every one of us. And so because of that, because of uh, our bent towards sin and our, our, our involvement in sin, we are guilty before a righteous God. And he being the lawgiver, he being the standard bearer, um, we all fall short. So he is just in dealing and in, in, in giving judgment. Um, however, we know 
our Lord, and, and we know that his heart is for redemption, for forgiveness. Uh, he is not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish. Um, so for someone to go to hell, uh, I would say this, I, I, maybe this is a bold statement, but most people have to reject God on multiple occasions uh, to end up in a Christless hell. Um, especially in a country like ours, I would say, where the gospel is preached and you can, there's resources wherever you turn um, that point to Jesus. So um, I would say that, that that question is flawed in a sense. Not, it's not a bad question, but I would say that uh, to view any person as good is, is not sound doctrine. It's not correct. So... Yeah. And what we do, it's kind of hard to see your neighbor next door. You know, great guy. I've known mm-hmm. at, our, at our old house. You know, we had even now, you know, great people that watch your house where you're gone and, mm-hmm. but they don't know the Lord. You're like, how is that? That doesn't seem, you know, fair, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to remember that God doesn't send anybody to hell, uh, that they reject, they reject him and they reject him. And because there's no, Bridge. There's no satisfaction. There's no propitiation. Jesus absorbing God's wrath and paying that penalty. They don't have that. So they can't be in the presence of God. And that was one of the reasons because for hell, not only for the devil and his demons, but also for those who don't want God in their life. Mm. They reject God. They, by justice, go to hell. Yeah. And so it's not really God sending them there. Now it is, I mean, I'll just be honest with you guys, it's a, it's a hard concept yeah. for me sometimes. It's like, you know, they live here 60 years, now they're going here for eternity, and, but yeah. I just, Lord, I trust you. I, I, don't, I don't trust me. I don't, I'm just, I, I can't fully grasp some of the things they did in the Old Testament. Right. You know, go and kill the women and children, and yeah. it's like, but I'm not going to let, I'm not going to go to hell over a mystery. No, sir. I'm not going to be mad at God over a mystery. No, sir. I just, I don't, and I think it's okay to have that, shouldn't we have that compassion a little oh, bit? No. We, yeah, send them all to hell. No. I mean, ah, hmm, I don't know. That's kind of a, you know, and we've had some people like that here. Wow. And they're just, and just as mean as a junkyard dog. And, and you kind of wonder where they're at in their salvation. Uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't be excited that anybody's going to hell. No, sir. Um, I mean, maybe Hitler and people like that who would that we would say deserve it. Now, this is going to be a little bit interesting. I don't know. Um, Abram might not have in, too many different answers on this because it's a, a church's our position <clears throat> on the area of elders. The question six, I think it is. Why do some churches have the elders separate from the pastors? Why aren't they voted in by the congregation here? And why are why are pastors part of the elder board here at Westside Christian Fellowship? So, to really, <clears throat> I broke them up to answer them. Some church, I mean, obviously depending on the size of the church. And here's here's what happens in many churches that, at least looking at the New Testament, the elders uh, they have the qualifications of an elder. You know, one woman, man, not given into this, this, this rules her house well. There's qualifications of an elder. They've been seasoned. They've been matured. And the church identifies who, who these men are. Now, just with, with that definition, they're technically a pastor. But, I mean, however, not all of them operate in the role of a pastor. So two or three of our elders, one was at Lockheed or Northrop, another was uh, working for firefighters for Christ and a fireman. Another one was, you know, different professions, but they're qualified. But then we have pastors who are also qualified who are actually 
in the day-to-day operations of the church. So three of our elders really, they're helping elder, but they're not as involved as me and Pastor Abram are. Uh, so we're the, we're the pastors over the congregation. So you can have, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten elders, and not every single one of them is going to be a pastor over something in the church. Amen. But also, and that's why we use the term, try not to use it too loosely, you're not going to have a worship pastor or necessarily a children's ministry pastor because sometimes you're saying, well, they're not yet really elder qualified, but they're pastoring over this group of people. So in that case, we probably call it the worship director or the children's ministry director because once you give that title of pastor, then they should be elder qualified. Mm-hmm. But many churches, uh, like, oh, he's our children's pastor, but he's not an elder because he's, he's only 25, he's not there yet. So that's why some churches have different, some pastors are elders, some elders are pastors. But here, when we look at the, the elder quality, they, it's also pastor quality. Although they might not be a pastor here at the church, they're still helping lead the church spiritually. If you have questions on that, you can see Joe in the back. He could text it to us. So why aren't they voted on by the congregation? So what we do, um, when we started the church, it was just me, and I asked a pastor friend of mine to be on the board, and I asked Randy McMillan to be on the board, and we wrote up our board meeting minutes. We actually followed, we borrowed Grace Chapel's uh, doctrinal statement. They let me borrow that, and we just had a board, and we followed pretty much what they did. For actually, actually, I couldn't even vote on, like, my pay. They, it was them, and I was not a, a not a voting member on that, so whatever they said, it was, that's what it was. And so what we did for the first few years is we watched who the men were in the congregation, you know, teaching, uh, ruling their house well, good character inside and outside the church. And we just looked back and watched who the congregation would, would call elders. Yeah. Who, who would the congregation look up to as elders? And then what we would do is, hey, we're considering this person and this person uh, to initiate them as elders at this church on our three-year anniversary. And so I want you guys to be praying about it. If you have anything against them, uh, let us know. And so that's why we don't take a formal vote, but we do throw it out to the congregation so they can let us know. Uh, we haven't had anybody say anything so far. There's been a couple deacons in the past where I've thrown it out there, and a couple people have came to me and said, hey, I don't know if they're ready for be a deacon. Here's why. Uh, and so that's we do throw it out to the congregation, but we're not a voting uh, church. So you have... I know it gets complicated. <laughs> you have some churches that are congregational. That means the, all the members vote on everything. Right. So the pastors are more like puppets. Like whatever you guys say, we'll do. But then the problem with that is you have 80% of the church is carnal. And you have 80% of people who are leading shouldn't be leading. And so the congregational churches are really not that great. They actually started with a good concept in the 1620, 1630, 1640 with the Puritans and Pilgrims. And they wanted, you know, these are all men of integrity. They were congregational uh, in their church. And they, they all had a say in it. And it was worked out pretty good, but as it got bigger. Uh, and then you have a different thing like Calvary Chapel. Have you heard of Calvary Chapel or Foursquare? They'll have the pastor at the top. Uh, it's like, it's called the mosaic form of church government, like Moses. And then everyone else is underneath that pastor, kind of like a CEO. Yeah. When I ran 24-hour fitness, you know, I was, I was kind of at the top and you had under people underneath us. We're here, we're led by a plurality of elders. So there's five elders right now. We've had six. Uh, we're going to meet this Friday. And we make decisions together. Uh, not everyone agrees, but on major decisions, we make sure we're all on the same page. 
Um, I've had, you know, many times in meetings, people said, you know, all of them said, I don't think so. It's not a good idea right now. I'm like, okay. I remember one time I wanted to send out uh, postcards uh, in, in, in Palmdale, putting down Mormonism, because Mormons were going around knocking on the door like, I don't know if that's the... I don't know if we want to do that. I don't know if we want to do that. Okay. Uh, and then also with uh, the finances, we have budgets. We vote on the budgets. Um, so I don't know if that answered your questions, but that's why there are pastors. Uh, I, I guess you could say it. All elders are qualified pastors, mm-hmm. but not all of them are pastors. Correct. Because it depends on what they're doing outside of the church as well. Does that make sense, I guess? Sense. Okay. If not, see Joe in the back and we can answer questions on that, because we want to give you a little bit of breakdown of how this church works. Um, why is there not a church membership? I can just give you three reasons, and then Abram can chime in as well. There's nothing wrong with church membership. We, we, it, was, it was very draining when we looked at that when we first started the church, because you, you really need a person who's part-time. Just hire them part-time just to manage the membership. Yeah. Are you still coming? Aren't you coming? Fill out the forms. Have you ever been to the churches where you have to mark your attendance every Sunday? And wow. I just didn't like that. So, um, and this person would, you know, calling, are you on the list? Not the list. Not a member anymore. I'm a member anymore. And then also you notice how a lot of churches will say, you know, 5,000 members. Yeah. Well, they only have 500 people coming to church. You know, so they get caught up on the numbers. You'd have to have somebody really manage it well. Uh, and also what it started to do is separate non-members from members are are you a member and so but again a lot of church friends i have uh they have memberships especially the older denominations the baptist denominations and and there's a good reason for that if you have to ever have to apply church discipline yes sir uh, that person has submitted to your church leadership Mm -hmm. so basically it's a takes a part-time job to to manage everything uh and it's hard to keep track of who's a member who's a not how do you separate have the class for it have this and also just feeling like it's a separate church, members and non-members. Our benevolence will go to members only, not members. And so it, just, it was just, it just for us much easier. Plus, I think we recognize every believer is a, a member of this church, is every believer in Jesus Christ. We're, we're all one. There's no, there's no division and, and different things. But again, I want to clarify, there, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't no. think it's unbiblical at all. No. Actually, in the book of Acts, it talks about... Um, those that were baptized were added to the church, you know. So, True. to me, it, you know, it seems like in the early church there was there was a a way that they knew who was a part of them. But I know, of course, it was more necessary in that time because you, when you came to Christ, you lost your job often, you lost your family, your inheritance. I hope I don't know if you guys knew that, and so it was important for them to, as the Bible said in Acts two, they had all things in common. Um, so. Um, in that culture, I think it would, you know, there's more of an argument for it. But in ours, um, I think it's just preferential. It's not a commandment. Um, I, I kind of like that we don't have that to 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 worry about. Um, and you would say, you know, I would say, you know, a lot of people who don't live here call WCF, WCF home. Um, and I know I, I, we encourage going to your local church, but. Um, God has given this church a ministry outside of its walls. Um, so I would say, arguably on a Sunday, more people watch from outside of here than, than come into this building. So, um, and they consider this home. So I, I like this. I think it works for our context, for yeah. our ministry here. And you made a good point. It's not in, I mean, in the Bible, it's not no. clear Mm-mm. if you need a, a membership roster. It's, it's a gray area. Uh, and also, I'd like to look up, maybe that'd be a good project for someone. When actually did, 
membership begin in the, in the church. I don't think it was in the early church. Mm-hmm. I mean, reading the early church fathers, I don't yeah. I don't see where they had a role. Honestly, I, I mean, it's a Catholic background. Maybe it could be. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Nine. Uh, who sent this? One? Okay, list top, list the top three ways to overcome addiction, mm. whether drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is. And what does it mean? A little leaven leavens mm. the whole lump. So. If you need help in this area, again, get my book on addiction. It's free. The ushers have that. But the top top three ways um, when you're dealing with things, there's, there's strongholds in many of our lives. Mm. There's something that has a stronghold on us, and it's hard to get rid of. So it has to come from repentance, number one. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to grin and bear it tomorrow. Mm. Okay, I gotta, mm, I'm not going to do that tomorrow. And just relying on, on just, you know, white-knuckling it. Yeah. It has to come from repentance, the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you, and saying, Lord, I'm truly not wanting to do this anymore. And, and just being done with it. You'd be amazed how many people enjoy their sin a little bit. Yeah. And they get upset if they get caught, but they're not really repentant. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to break that out because you still like this little sin on the side. Mm-hmm. But on the, on the flip side... Spiritual, um, physical discipline is a biblical principle. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It is. The ability to say no. Uh, and then the little leaven leavens the whole lump. I believe that's Galatians. Galatians, probably Galatians 5. On Paul's talking about even, a, probably false teaching if it's yes, a, Galatians. Yeah, so a little bit of false teaching, which you could say a little bit of sin, just allowing a little bit, it's like leaven. It gets in the bread and just affects the whole loaf. Mm-hmm. So when we compromise and we let just a little bit in, it begins to compromise the whole thing. Um, and I just got a couple emails today from people who don't go here um, on this whole thing. Uh, there's been some articles out about alcohol on the Internet, and they asked me, and, you know, and I said, if you, if, if, if you, if you, know, you're, you know you have a problem or your wife knows you have a problem, and it's, 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 well, and you have to make excuses, there's a problem. Mm. And you, you allow that little leaven to, to keep coming in, it's, it's going to affect everything. Mm. So something that you know is a sin that is descent, that Delilah isn't just a girl or a woman. <laughs> Delilah can be whatever yeah. takes you out. Yeah. Yeah. And allowing that in your life will begin to affect your, your whole life. Yeah, uh, so I would, I would remove those things. But I think, you know, it just goes, we, we enjoy that little, that our favorite little, and we counseled a couple of people during Red in the Heavens who got mm-hmm. off of marijuana, and they, they said, man, it was just, I still, like I knew I didn't want to, I repented of it, but when I knew I wanted some when I got home. Yeah. You know, if you, that's going to be that little leaven that keeps, that keeps affecting the whole lump. I was thinking about uh, Russell's testimony and how he said just small compromises and, um, you know, just led him down a road. And that's what happens with, with sin in our lives. It's a slippery slope. It always takes us further than we want to go, costs us more than we want to pay, and tries to keep us longer than we want to stay. And so um, with sin, either we're killing sin in our life or sin is going to kill us. It's going to kill your desire to worship. It's going to kill your prayer life. It's going to kill your passion for God. And so that's what I think that little leaven, a little sin that is undealt with in our lives. We're not uh, striving to, to overcome by the grace of God. It will eventually destroy us. And um, it's kind of like this. If you start to feed a, you know, when you get that little lion cub, like you see people, and I've, I heard about a story in Rosemond, um, 
how someone had a, a, a big cat in their home and they were feeding it and it uh-uh. got big and eventually killed them. And that's what sin does in our lives. And um, so that's, you know, I think with addiction, we, 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 know, we know the errors in our lives that we uh, so easily are stumbled. Yeah. And we have to take drastic measures. I put prayer, fasting, and taking the drastic measures, hitting it with the big hammers, and just, just doing what, whatever, in, and by the grace of God, that you can do to avoid that sin. And for, I mean, you mentioned prayer and fasting. Sometimes when I'm fasting, because you, you, you're getting off the of caffeine and yeah. sugar, oh, it feels like there's a demon inside. I mean, just bad moods, and it's like you can tell. But after three days, four days, there's a submission that takes place, right. and you don't right. have that. <laughs> Joe, yeah. I had to laugh a little bit. Uh, how many shots of tequila is too much? <laughs> too many. <laughs> that was good timing. But yes. I don't know if it's a real question. But if you're asking that question, that means there's a problem. Mm. Uh, there's. We, we try to find too many loopholes. If we have to have something every night, uh, even if it's just one, and, a, and our spouse sees an issue, others see an issue, there's a problem there. Uh, those people I know that have a drink now and then, you, you don't even hear from them. They don't even, do, they don't even know when their last drink was. They don't, nobody challenges them, but it's those people who want to hang on to that, you know, that, that, that ease at night. You know, they want this relaxation, but then it's a, it brings you down. So it's also a depressant. You wake up depressed. Even though you felt great in the night before, and now you wake up depressed and sick, and here we go. We start that whole cycle over again. So that's what that means, a little leaven, leavens. Uh, What do you recommend we do if our wife is a spiritual leader? Hmm. I recommend you seek God passionately until and assume your role in your home. Um, As a man, you are called to be the pastor of your home. If you um, are married in here tonight, you are the spiritual leader of your home. And unfortunately, a lot of times women have had to step up because most of men are, are, are not leading in that area. And um, I'm thankful. I, I saw it the other day, you know, in one of the services here. It was nothing but men on, on this altar. <laughs> and I was just, wow. I was just thanking God. Like, cause I remember a few yeah. years ago, oh, pastor. Yeah. Um, when we were first here, it was a lot of ladies here. And I knew that this lady was praying for her husband who doesn't come to church or, right. uh, who's still drinking and, and, um, but I'm thankful. This is a compliment to many of you here tonight, uh, and what God is doing, of course, here at Westside. But, um, don't be content letting your wife take the lead in that area. Yeah, and I would add, what do you recommend we do if yeah. our wife is a spiritual leader? Uh, a couple things we know from Genesis, and even in our own personal lives, the women want that desire to lead, that sometimes it's not a good desire, it's that it's from the fall. They want to rule over the man, yeah. and the man doesn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. Go go buy me a beer at Costco, and, yeah. and uh, I'll just sit at home and watch TV. <laughs> you take the kids to church. You take Right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's, see, that's what we have to fight against, and they have to fight against that desire to lead yeah. and submit in, in this area. But there's also women that are strong women, type A personalities, versus, and then there's some that are very just passive. And, and so there's, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, but it's actually not too difficult. Um, you, I, I would match what she's doing, and not to competition, but like, how is she leading spiritually? Okay, here's where I need to pick up my game. And I've had to do this before. Why is Morgan, you know, praying more for the kids in the morning, doing a devotional with them when I'm out the door? I need to, I need to make some time yeah. and start, start picking up where I've been slacking off. Gotcha. 
And so you find out what those areas are. You don't do it for competition, but like, okay, let me lead and, and let, let me go to morning worship. I mean, most people aren't at morning worship because they want to sleep in. Right? I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. And so how do you lead then as a man and maybe take initiative, initiatives in these areas? So I would, if your wife is hungry spiritually, it's a good thing. You don't want to quench that. Mm-mm. You just want to come alongside of it and compliment it. Yes. And both of you go, go in that direction together. But some women are just very, very oh, strong. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they have that tendency to want to, you know, and I, you can, I don't know if I should say it, but maybe we'll edit it out. Say it. Who said that, Will? It I knew that was you, Will. I don't want to. No. I, I've told more, you know, a, a few times I say, hey, stop being the Holy Spirit. You know, God, God will talk to me. You know, like, remember, it's such and such birthday. Or remember to talk to them. Remember, you got to do this. Remember, it's like, oh, I got it, you know. Uh, but we need that. We need that help me. We do. And we need to, that they come along and they compliment. So I would say if you're just keeping up with, and you're seeking God, and there'll be seasons. Sometimes you're not following God as passionately as, as she is because mm-hmm. you're working. I remember when I was in construction, he went to construction, and, you know, it was, it was six days a week, and I had to be at the job site at 6 a.m., mm-hmm. And my in the morning time, and it was it was hard. But then I was able to get home and do it in the evening. And so there's ways around that for sure. Um, is going to church once a month okay? <laughs> you want that one? <laughs> I'll just give a quick. I'll give a quick answer. It's what, what what people ask is they try to do the bare minimum. Yeah. And really, there's no. It's you don't have to be a Christian to go to church. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But you will never function. Well, you'll never mature as a Christian unless you go to church. How many of us can attest to that? Amen. The iron sharp. Ch- church isn't always pleasant. It's difficult. I'm fixing problems every single week for the last 12 years. You know, iron, iron, iron hurts a little bit. But, but the most mature people I know have stuck with it. Yeah. Stuck with it consistently. Handled the difficult seasons. Repented. Apologized. Confronted. Mm-hmm. And they make that, that daily, weekly discipline uh, a discipline in their lives. So I just, I just think you won't mature. I think there's, there has to be a passion to want to go more. No doubt. No doubt. Hebrews 10.25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Every context you see in Scripture of, the, of Christianity, New Testament Christianity, has always been community. You are not. It's not a, a single man uh, endeavor. It's, you, you need to be around other men and women of God. And um, for your sharpening and for you also to be an encouragement to others. And so I, I just, I, I never really have seen someone uh, thrive spiritually when it's just them and, you know, oh, I meet with God, you know, on the mountain, you know, and, and that's great. You need that too. You have to have your personal, you can't, you can't just come to church and think and not have a devotional life with, with God the rest of the week. Don't get me wrong. Um, but church is, uh, it's not a building. It's the family. It's it could be community. a home group. Yeah. No, even home, home groups. groups. Home groups Different are great. Context, to where two or more are gathered in his name. Yeah. I, I know um, many people have been hurt in church. Like Pastor said, you know, you've been through it. And, and so um, you don't want to really open up and you don't want to put yourself in that position anymore. But um, we're hurt almost on the, I know for sure passion mm-hmm. gets the most criticism and we deal with things like almost every week of the, of the year. And, um, but it's just about being mature. It's about you're here, number one for the Lord, but also as we talked about, you know, we are to love one another. We ought to want to fellowship with one another. So I think, uh, the answer to that is a clear no. Uh, once a month won't do it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a way to hold yourself accountable That's to each it. other. And we need that. 
I, for me, I've noticed when I don't feel like going is really when I need to go. <laughs> yeah. And to make, it's part of the discipline of making ourselves go. Amen. Is it okay to like contemporary worship or should we just listen to the old hymns? Mm. Pastor Abram. Mm. I come from the hymns. I come from a, a Baptist church where we have the hymnal. And, um, Turn to page 120. <laughs> that's it. And, you know, bring them in. Like those old, uh, you know, hymns. You know what I'm talking about, Phil. They're great. Don't get me wrong. Jesus saves. I was thinking about the other day, you know, one of my favorite. It's like the, the Baptist uh, national anthem, uh, Victory in Jesus. And uh, some of you grew up singing that, right? And don't get me wrong. We loved it. I loved it. I still do. When the hymns come into our, you know, we need to have another one of those hymn nights. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think the new song, the Bible says, sing unto the Lord a new song. I think... Uh, God has given a plethora of, of genres where we can worship him in. So you don't want to just uh, just lean. I mean, you can lean. We all have our preferences, right? Um, I'm going to be honest. You know, we have a, a phenomenal worship team. I texted pastor today. I wanted to hear one of the songs that Maddie did during the first written to heavens. I just I lost it on my phone and I was working out and I'm listening to her sing. You are holy and just having a you know hallelujah moment. Right. Um. And we're really blessed here, but there are times where there are songs that, you know, they just, it's not my style. I told Pastor, you know, like, you know, if the Lord is to ever move me on, I, I want a Brooklyn Tabernacle style mm-hmm. <laughs> worship, like in a Tasha Cobb. I know you like Tasha Cobbs, and, mm-hmm. you know, we have our preferences, right? But, um, you know, don't let your preference alienate you from, um, from experiencing what God is doing in different styles. That's all yeah. I would say. And I like, I like all of that too. I, mm-hmm. I think what we, what we do is we look at what God has given us here. Yeah. You know, what is, what are the giftings here? What is yeah. he doing here? Uh, and I like the old hymns too. Yeah. Uh, what happens though is you have the older crowd who came to know the Lord mm-hmm. through old rugged cross and yeah. revive us again and, and mm-hmm. uh, all the old hymn. That's how they came to know the Lord and walked that sawdust trail like Billy Graham and Mordecai yeah. Ham and Billy Sunday and, and so that's that's their music. And so what's this stuff with <laughs> guitars and da da But they can't relate to that. But then you can't tell. I mean, I, I sometimes walk in my daughter's rooms and they're like, she's on her face on the worship. floor listening to the contemporary worship, just crying out to God. And like, well, I mean, Come can't. <laughs> that's how they're connecting with God. Too. I mean, as long as it's doctrinally sound, it's not crazy. And, you know, I think that God's going to give different it, it, there's different seasons. Yeah. Uh, I remember I went and I preached at a Baptist church, 150 years old, and it was the old organ and hymnal. It was, it was all I could do. Like, Lord, I just not that. Yeah. I'm just going to worship. I'm, I'm going to worship you regardless. But it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, and it just didn't. I, and if we're going to reach the next generation, I think it's sometimes it's okay to to meet in the middle and find that 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 bridge. Yeah. Because it does change. You're right. A new song to the Lord. I'd like to see even the old hymns be made into new, like, just, oh, yeah. you know, arrangements, arrangements, like, or, you know, we, we've had hymn nights before. I think it's good to do that oh, again. Um, do you recommend that couples live together while engaged? I think we'd both say no on that one. No. Uh, you don't test drive it before you purchase it. <laughs> no. uh, and it's just the statistics no. aren't good. No. Uh, you go in without the commitment. Really, you're just doing that for convenience to That's save it. money mm-hmm. um, and, and, and easy sex, quick yeah. Yep. Quick physical. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's just not, not anything we recommend. Uh, can Abram explain to those who may not like to worship how the morning worship and the worship nights affected him when he first started coming to Westside? 
<laughs> I know who asked this question. I know too. <laughs> and why aren't more men worshipers? Um, well, uh, you guys have all heard my testimony, um, but I know there will be others who listen to this later who need to hear this. But um, you know I come from a background um, where uh, worship uh, was not uh, at the forefront. You sing two or three songs, let's get to the word. Um, and that's, uh, you know, what I felt was the way to do it. The word, the word, the word was always emphasized. And for me, what that did in my life is it, it made me critical, hard-hearted, uh, I had a love for the word. I knew the scripture, but uh, I, I wasn't, I would say at that time, truly, deeply in love with Christ. Um, God has made us emotional uh, beings. You know, some of you probably say, well, I'm not very emotional and I don't really. And um, <laughs> and that would have been me a few years ago. Um, but I, I, I came to this church and the first time I was here, I, I experienced the presence of God here. Um, and it was during the worship. It was before I was actually the preacher the first time I came here. And I was sitting right there where you are, Kevin. And, uh, you know, the worship's going on. Pastor's not having town on vacations. And, um, but the worship was so powerful. And, um, my wife is, is elbowing me like, hey, something's different here. You know, it's been about 30 minutes and just worship. And I'm, I'm feeling it too. Like, you know what it's like. Some of you, you, you came from a church. Similar to where I came from, and, and you're, you're starting to experience it now, too. Um, and uh, I just said, yeah, something is different here. And, you know, I preached that day, and it just was a, a liberty that I never experienced. And um, it was evident the Holy Spirit was here when we stepped on campus, too. But um, so long story short, um, being here, hearing the sermons, hearing about, you know, just the pride, the, the need of repentance in my life and and really it was about 10 months of just God just chipping away at me you know just chipping away at my pride and and I'll never forget the night it was a worship night and before I would of course I would never come to what's a worship night what you're not going to open up the scripture you're not going to preach a sermon like what is that you know and so but I remember that worship night had come in I was I was a little discouraged you know just a little uh you know, at the time, things weren't um, financially, we were struggling. I was working over at the mortuary, and, and um, I just remember just finally saying to the Lord that night, like, God, I just, I need you to, 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 to meet with me. I just, something is still missing, God, and, and uh, I'll never forget that night. It was like God just literally just began to pour his spirit into me, and uh, before I knew it, I was up at the front on my knees here. And uh, the whole night, when the whole worship night went there, and I was just there and just couldn't stop crying. And I think my wife has maybe seen me cry two times in our marriage. One was at the birth of our first child, and I can't remember the other time. But <laughs> and um, yeah, it was in the car when I was in the process of being broken. And um, but I wept that whole night, and I promise you, uh, God met with me that night. And I got up from there. And uh, it was just something different. Uh, having that experience that, that I had only read about and heard about from other people's, uh, you know, accounts of how they uh, were, were, were touched by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, um, you know, and experiencing God, I promise you there was no, I, I, I had never experienced a, such a, a joy, such a peace, such a, uh, I, I, there's still no words for it. I'm just going to tell you that. 
And um, it changed my life. And from that moment on, it's kind of like when a person takes, and I know this is a terrible ana- analogy, but when you took that first hit of that drug and it took you on a trip, like literally for me, when God met with me that night, I, I could not, no, I could no longer be comfortable with just going through the motions with not experiencing God and, 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 and in my emotions, in my, in my, in his spirit. Um, so, um, I tell you this testimony because, um, men, you know, oftentimes we resist the very thing that we need. That's the next question. <laughs> oftentimes, the very thing, those who don't like worship nights, that's exactly what you need to, to be in. You need to become a worshiper. Um, and I can just tell you just from then on, like, it's not a day that I don't cry now. I'm promising you in that time with the Lord in the morning when he wakes me up and I put on those AirPods and I, 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 I listen to worship before I pray, I prepare my heart and worship. And there's not a day that goes by where I'm not in tears as I think about the grace of God in my life and, and what he's done in, uh, in me. And I'm in tears. And, and, and here in church, you'll, you'll see me over here. I, I'm just always just wiping. Like God has softened my heart. He's changed my life. And um, why, why aren't more men, when more men worshipers? Everything you said, pride, right? We don't pride. like. Yeah. Just it's, it's, it's almost like feminine yeah. to come to the altar. Yeah. Right? Feminine to worship. I mean, that's not manly. Yeah. That's what, you know, that's what the prevailing view is. But like you said, once God wrecks your heart and just fills you with the Spirit. See, worship is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit within you. The Holy Spirit has to worship. You you have to worship. So it's really not a worship problem. It's a Holy Spirit problem inside of you. Quenching and grieving the Spirit, not desiring that worship. And a lot of guys I've seen it mainly when they have have sound doctrine, sound theology, which is good. We have that here. We focus on that. But if that's all they have... They, be, they begin to be like a, like a hammer and like hard and callous versus broken and humble. Worship helps to complement. Uh, basically, preaching is even a man on fire with the Holy Spirit. It's theology on fire. That's what preaching is. It's theology on fire by the Holy Spirit. And worship is just something that actually should just flow out. So I think there's a disconnect in the hearts of many men. They haven't really surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's it. And I know it looks different for, I know, I know not everybody's going to have the, uh, you're not going to necessarily cry. I, I'm not, no, we're yeah. not saying it's just, and worship isn't just singing. I want you to understand what, I'm, what we mean by worship, just your life uh, becomes immersed in seeking God. Like you, you desire him, you, you want to exalt him in your life, you don't want sin. You don't desire you. You want the fellowship with God more than you want that shot. Yeah, true. That's worship. You you want to honor God in your in your time, talent, and treasure. That's worship, um, spirit and in truth, and 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 that's what God desires. Amen. There's a couple. I'll just jump to some of the new questions that came in. One, I mean, one we had up there was how do you guys stay united when disagreeing? We try to just focus on, we agree on the essentials. We do. You know, that's pretty. And dis- Pastor is, 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 quite frankly, uh, one of the most caring. He doesn't talk about a lot of this stuff, but no one has looked out for me and my family more than this man here. I'm going to tell you. And, and, and I'm telling you, 
he, he loves your family too. And there's not a week that goes by where he's not, have you seen so-and-so? Can you check in on them? Um, what's, you know, is there a need? Um, you know, I know your friend just moved here from out of state. Do they need something? And, and, and I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's easy to submit to leadership like that when you know that they, they love you. So we may not agree on all things, but I think we, we agree on most things for sure. And uh, just the humility, um, I respect, you know, pastor, because I see what, what you see up here um, is truthfully who he is. And I've been around leaders who they put one thing up in, you know, in front and there are another thing in private. And but my experience so far, and I don't put any man on a pedestal because that, you know, no, we're, 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 we're all yeah. fall. And don't put us on the pedestal. We're sinners. And, and I'm, I've had to come to some of you and apologize already. And I will probably in the future. But uh, um, but I've seen it be real. And, 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 and it's never about him. He, he does not want the spotlight. Truthfully, it's true. He does not. He didn't desire to, to be up, up front. I know that. And um, similar to God. Now, God has changed me. And I'm the same way. I don't want to be up front. I don't want to be acknowledged. I don't. I, truthfully, I would love to just be a worshiper in the back, uh, you know, worshiping God, you know. But then God says, you know what, you get up here and, you, you know, you, you speak, you, you preach. And I think he's been able to elevate pastor because of the brokenness, the humility, the seeking God. And then the Bible says he will exalt that person in due time. And that's what, you know, that's why it works here. And I think it's just personally, I think it's a it's a God thing because of the how we complement one another. His calling isn't mine. But God uses his calling. And then, you know, God uses me to come alongside of that. And, and you know, you guys have seen that. Of course, we, we just, it's almost seamless. You know, it's almost like God just did it. And he did. You know, so um just that's, wanted to say that. That's embarrassing. Hey, <laughs> just put you on the spot. But no, we are blessed here. I, I'm just, I'm not even going to lie. And I don't tell him enough. But God put it on my heart a few years ago. You don't discourage this man. He gets enough discouraging news. He gets enough criticism from without these walls. And God put it on my heart to just come alongside of him and, and say, do whatever's in your heart. Uh, I'm with you. You're not alone in this. You're not. And so, and and on the same flip, I wouldn't be where I'm at spiritually, my marriage, and, you know, financially, so many things without his mentorship, with his you know, he's pouring into me. And so, you know, I, I just I just want to tell you that I, I love you and I'm thankful you. for you. Thank you. Good job. That makes it well, that, that's why the question's pretty easy. That's why, you know, and Abram brings a lot to the table that this church really needed. And so it's easy to be united in that, even though, you know, we just see if you're curious, we see things probably how he was raised in the Baptist domination with, you know, like end time scenarios, rapture, different things, just yeah. kind of different views on that. But, I, you know, I, I don't really know exactly how it's all going to pan out. No, we don't. And so there's, you know, you just kind of just because the enemy wants you to argue over the little he things, does, he does. doesn't he? It's, it's all the little stuff. Uh, what are the differences between this church and, say, like Jack Hibbs, Rob McCoy, John MacArthur, all here oh. in California, all within like an hour and a half? Yeah. Um, I don't want to. There's not. I would say Jack Hibbs is probably like Calvary Chapel, so it's uh, some of the distinctions of Calvary Chapel. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Rob McCoy, but they do they do differentiate on different things. John mm-hmm. MacArthur. So there's, I wouldn't say there's a lot of differences other than John MacArthur with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and those the miraculous gifts have ceased. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would believe. 
And so that would probably be a big difference for sure. Big difference. Uh, somebody wanted us to briefly explain the verse. I don't think we'll have time to put it up there, but nobody comes to me, Jesus said, unless the Father draws him. I think that word was, Luke will tell me later if I'm wrong, decamoy, something along those lines, where it's a divine impulse. So nobody comes to the Father, or to Jesus, without that divine impulse pulling them. Others would read it without God dragging them, like more of a Calvinist view on election. You know, God, you're not going to come to Jesus unless the, the Father draw, drags you. Yeah. Strong's exhaustive concordance of the Bible defines that word as a divine impulse drawing you. So it's basically impossible to come to Jesus without that, that work of the Holy Spirit yeah. drawing you to the Father. That's it. That's Pretty basic. Yeah. Um, Did God allow incest? The example they gave was Jacob and Rachel and Leah. Um, I wouldn't really view that one as incest because Jacob married. He waited for Rachel, but instead got Leah. Yeah, and then yeah. he worked, and then he got Rachel. So he was married to the two sisters. sisters yeah. um, the incest would be more like um, Lot. You know, when uh, when Lot's daughters, uh, yeah, yeah, when the Lot's mm-hmm. daughters, when Sodom and Gomorrah was burned down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't see what. Anytime something's written in the Bible, this is where people make mistakes. Why did God allow? Or why did God command that? Some, often, sometimes it, it, the Bible just records history. It. it doesn't say God, this is part of God's will. It shows, for example, slavery, indentured servants, and things like that. Um, you had to actually, if you owe somebody money, you had to go work for them. Yep. Uh, and then God says, if you have a slave, here's how to treat them. The word's doulos in the New Testament. And so it wasn't this what we see in TV pictured on Roots, and yeah. this, uh, America's history. Mm. Back then it was indentured servant. They, mm-hmm. And this is how you're to treat that person yeah. who owes you money and they're working for yeah. you. Uh, and so he allowed that. And so I believe with Lot, his daughter slept with him. I mean, disgusting to that read it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't understand it whatsoever. They thought there was no more humans on the planet. God didn't, God didn't say that that's the thing to do, that he didn't allow that. I mean, he, he, he let it take place, but it's not part of his will. Gotcha. Same with polygamy and multiple wives. Yeah. Uh, God allowed it. He actually said, do not multiply your wives. Yes. And men would go and, and do that. So a lot of times when you read the Bible, it's not like God said Mm-mm. to do these things. It's just, it's just it basically it records history. That's it. And not everything is, is always um, God's will. If you have questions on that, you can go back to Joe. I'll try to go real quick here. Um, on that music one, somebody's asking, my thoughts on Christian metal. Um, I can ask Paul Chappell. I know what he'd say. You know what he'd say. <laughs> um, That's tough, though. I mean, it, it, yeah, but what, the reason they say it is because you have different riffs on the guitars. Mm, sounds like like demonic. And so you put good lyrics to it. But, I mean, I like harder music working out. And so if I'm gonna, I'd rather listen to that with good lyrics Damn. than ACDC or, or some of the heavy Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, so just for working out and things. Um, but uh, you'd have to ask God when you get to heaven on that yeah, one. Cause I'm not sure. Because there's something with drums and music that's meant to, the way God designed us, something can be spiritual and versus something to be... You can get, it's like a demon from hell on that guitar, but there's Christian lyrics. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't really know on that one. I'm going to have to leave it up to the individual. Even on some rap. Yeah, some will you know, listen to Christian rap, but not all. Um, not all, but uh, let's see. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to read that one. 
That's true, Will. I knew that would be you. Will, Will lets me know when we text him too much in the texting system, too. <laughs> Knowing how many leaders have fallen, what steps have you taken as a leadership team or as a leader, and who are you accountable to? And how do men become accountable to someone? Okay, well, I did a podcast on this, Seven Reasons Why Christian Leaders Fall, uh, and they fall because, like, we all fall. I mean, yeah. there's, no, there's no exception. Usually in leadership in a church, you're going to have, um, what do they call that, uh, you know, Nichols knows, or women, uh, wow. like there's three women, wealth. There's three things that are, what was it? What's the third one? Why? Oh, okay, addiction. Well, so the, I mean, there's a couple of areas you have to watch. You'll see the Hillsong guy. You know, he's in the news now, the leader of Hillsong. And um, uh, a guy who endorsed my book, Bob Coy, Calvary Chapel, was a great pastor out of Florida. He was having multiple affairs. Uh, and then, I mean, Doug, Doug, I don't want to say last names, but a vision forum, you know, these popular homeschooling movements. And then you've seen people out of step down, Bill Hybels, yeah. one of the biggest churches in, in Chicago there. And then uh, people like James McDonald stepped down or Mark Driscoll because of, of their really abrasive leadership styles. Um, and then there's, um, I mean, Perry Noble uh, had to step down and start his own church. So to answer the question, we, we identify the same areas that you would identify, uh, where somebody here can have an affair and, you know, maybe their wife will work through it and they'll still keep their job. Where here, it will cost us everything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we're done. That's it. One choice, we're done. And so knowing that, that you, you can't even, that's why we don't counsel the opposite sex, don't build relationships with the opposite, leave my phone on the thing. There's sometimes females get my number, and I don't know, they're 30 years old, text them like, hey, Morgan, you want to handle this? I don't know. And just being transparent, don't, you can't even let that, that, that opportunity present itself, because it will. And so that's where many men are going to fall, is when they open that door and they start to compromise. Yeah. Um, but if you're not meeting with people you're attracted to, you're not talking to them often and building relationships and texting. Carl Lentz in New York, that's what I was thinking about as well, Hillsong. Um, the, the, you remove the atmosphere, you remove the whole, uh, the whole problem there with the opposite sex. But then if you're having issues, let's say, in your marriage, uh, in our, at our church, the elders... Uh, maybe Abram doesn't do as much, but I know Randy used to do it a lot, or Joe and Melinda. Like, hey, Morgan, how's things going? Yeah. How's the marriage going? How's Shane doing at home? Like, oh. You know, and so we have the elders, you know, yeah. talk, you know how are how's things going? And Morgan's not going to lie, I'll tell you that much. It's good. Um, you know, and, and um, it's, we've, we've met oh, with people good. over the last 12 years sometimes. Hey, let's get together because we're not, something's not clicking here. We need, mm-hmm. so I think being accountable, um, Showing our, knowing our, you know, weak spots, oh, you know, yeah. cracks in the armor yes, that, you know, uh, somebody who struggle with this, they're going to be account- held more accountable in this area. Uh, and, and, but with it's women, finances, addictions, those are the three. So finances are pretty easy. We, we have our, our treasures, you know, they balance they the books, they have the checking account and they, uh, board meetings and, you know, so it's, with the way we have it set up, you can't just go to the bank and, mm-mm. And make financial, and we can't, I can't just make big financial decisions without elder approval. So that's pretty safe and secure. Mm-hmm. Um, to my knowledge, I've never taken a dime from this church ever since it started, not even a penny. Really, really cautious on, you know, financial integrity. You gotta have to handle finances like an explosive. Oh yeah. You know, so. Now, if people looked at how we're the church, we all have opinions. Like, why do we spend that much money on shade? 
between the buildings? Or why do we, why, why, why this, the cameras? Why can't we, the money been spent on the homeless ministry? And so we all have different opinions on things. Uh, and that's why we try to make sure no aspect of the church is failing. For example, if we're not helping single moms or providing food or benevolence or the homeless ministry, if, yeah. if something's dropping the ball and we're doing other things, then that's not right. right. But as long as everything is balancing out, um, so that's mainly people can, people, the leadership team can ask Morgan, hey, how are things going? Uh, and they can also, same with Morgan, uh, uh, Abram, uh, Abram and Erica and, yep. and his wife, and how are things going? And um, I think we're pretty transparent. Like oh, yeah. we both know, we're not going to, you know, with females, nope. um, not going to counsel them. I'm not going to have him counsel someone or private counseling. And, and just, you just kind of, does that make sense? If you avoid the, if you don't even start the fire, you're not going to have a forest fire. Exactly. So, but you have to want to do that because I know a lot of people. But I really wasn't a, I wasn't a um, flirt growing. I mean, even when I was in the world, I wasn't really, you know, one of those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, my vice was something else, Jack Daniels and Coke mm. or something. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, yeah. In other words, yeah, we just, we 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 welcome accountability. So. Um, with the right heart. With the right heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta throw that one in there. <laughs> you gotta, gotta preface that. But, um, um, we do. And, um, you know, cause same thing for one of you guys, if, if I were to see you and, uh, on a, you know, at the bar with your wife and, or I mean, with someone else who isn't your wife, excuse me, I'm gonna call you out. You know, I'm gonna go to you. We've had to do that. I know on, on I've had to step people down before that yeah. the girlfriend called me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the so guy's serving at church. Mm. Oh my goodness, he's not gonna know it's gonna come. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, he was faithfully stepped down for a year and uh, restoration. Was yeah, and there's other places I've confronted that when it's going on. Yeah. Because if your heart's restoration, but you can't allow that in the church either. Mm-mm. You know, if we see somebody sitting there who's coming, but he's dating his girlfriend. And we, we can't just continue to allow that week exactly. in and week out. So that would be a part of church discipline mm-hmm. where we haven't really had to do that yet because Absolutely. the times I've talked with people, you know, they know it's coming, so they just stop coming yeah. or they fix the problem. Um, but that's how church discipline will work. Let's say you're with your girlfriend. You don't care. You're still going to come to the men's group. Mm-hmm. You care less. Hey, we're, we're, we talk to you. Listen, this is not right. You cannot. We can't keep acting as if nothing is wrong here and, and fellowshipping. The Bible's clear on this. Jesus is clear on this. Yes, we went. We brought others to you, and you know it's wrong, but you're just in our face, and we're going to have to bring this up to the body at large. What you're choosing to do, we don't want to, Mm-mm. but you're forcing our hand. Yes, sir. And that's how church discipline works. So look, I've, I've talked to people twice about that in 12 years, and they both stopped coming. Right, you know, just right mm. after that. But I don't know about putting a picture up on the screen. Hey, watch out for this guy when 90% of the people don't know him. You know, I've never really... Because the whole, the whole point is those who know the person are to disengage from the fellowship. Yep. So I think I'm opening up a bigger can of worms and maybe harming a person's family if I'm showing this problem to a, a church of a thousand people and only 30 people really know the person. So I don't know. I went to churches where I put the person's name up, unless it's in leadership or something or a deacon well-known. But if it's just a you know, small issue, then you go to their circle friends, their home group, mm-hmm. and you say, listen, we love you enough that we have to disfellowship from you. Yeah. So that's how church discipline works. Yeah. Uh, so I think I answered that question. If not, go back to Joe. But that's how we, we have... You have to recognize... The reason Christian leaders fall is they say, that will never happen to me. I'm so busy. I'm so popular. I'm God's man. I don't need the devotional time anymore. I don't mm. need. And that's actually when you need it just as much. More, more. 
So knowing that you can fall is the first step in preventing that fall. Knowing, I would never say, I can never commit adultery. Because it's in here. It's in every one of our hearts. It's in here. Yeah. Don't act like it's not in there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in that Adamic nature. Yes. Now there's nowhere, you know, even if I, I wanted to, I could. I don't, there's no opportunity. We haven't created that environment. And so you can take those safeguards that keep you a very open accountable. And me and, uh, you know, me and Morgan are, Fairly, you know, my website's, if I do a search, it goes to her email. That's good. You know, if there's anything questionable, like you put in whatever, something that would be questionable, mm-hmm. you'll get an email saying alert on this phone or this computer, like, ooh. Yeah. What's, and it doesn't allow you to open things, so I, I don't That's think good. I could, I've never tried, I don't think porn would open on my phone, good. because even on YouTube, something comes up says says you're in restricted mode due to the software. Good. So, um, but how bad do you want it? How bad do you, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to get, I don't want to keep, you know, faltering through life and not finishing well. And so you, 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 you that was another question. What does it mean to cut out an eye or remove your hand? Whatever's causing you to stumble, whatever that is, it's a relationship, a drink, a drug, a, a, a media, my goodness. You know, I just, you just put on something on Amazon Prime, oh, a new movie, oh, within 10 minutes there's nudity. Yeah. I mean, it's just everywhere. So, being being very vigilant about that, I think, really helps. Uh, any other thing on accountability? Oh, that's, that's that's it. You gotta want it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because so many men we talk to, um, they're upset they got caught, but they're not truly repentant. Mm-hmm. And how do you know? It's excuses. Oh, I, you know, I can do this once in a while. It's no big deal. It's not that bad. And it's not that bad. Of course, it's that bad. But we want to hold on to that sin. And the sad thing is those people never experience freedom. And they're, they're going to keep going down a very slippery slope. And they will fall. Their sin will be exposed. And it's best to deal with it now at an early stage. Um, let's see. Is rejecting Jesus blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Um, yeah, basically, I mean, the, the, the passage Jesus talked about in the Gospels is, is that all sin will be forgiven. Except when you... The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The context is they were attributing Jesus' works to the work of Satan. Mm-hmm. That's not God. That's of Satan. And, you, and that sin can't be forgiven because you are rejecting Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ yeah. mm-hmm. uh, let's see. If you bring up a child in the way he should go and he goes astray, what did we do wrong? Mm. Nothing. Um I'll just be transparent. Um, I was, of course, raised by my mom. She did the best she could, you know, and, and raised us up for the Lord. And and I have siblings who, you know, I love them. Don't get me wrong; they may see this, but I, I feel like they're they've walked away from the Lord. They've lived uh, most of their adult lives not seeking God. And um, and I've I've come to the the realization. That honestly, we are only responsible to 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 point our children to Jesus, to pour into them, to pray for our children. But honestly, there will come a time when they they make their own decisions. Um, now, I do cling to that promise, though, that if you do train them up to the Lord, that when they are old, now it could be, you know, <laughs> you know, they might be prodigal for thirty years and come back. I don't know what that looks like, but. I do believe that's a promise you can uh, pray and, and, and of course, cling to. 
Um, but don't hold yourself accountable because, like, that's the reason why I share, you know, my testimony is because um, they were raised in the same house. They got the same instruction in the word. They, my mom drug us to church every single week. We never missed church. And, and my mom uh, prayed for us. I have no books for, of hers where she prayed specifically over each one of us. And so she did the work. And, and, and my my siblings are choosing to live a different way. And so um, ultimately, there's no, how can I say it? They have a free will. Yeah. And Proverbs, what's really helped me out, most commentaries will tell you the Proverbs aren't like absolute statements, genie in a bottle. Mm. You know, if you do this, this will happen. Yes. Because it also talks about if you do this, you'll experience long life. If you treat your, but, yeah. but some people die at 14. Mm. Like, well, wait a minute. The Proverbs said this. So it's more of a standard to live by, mm-hmm. and not everything is going to happen exactly like we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do train a child in the way they should go when they are older, they will not depart oh, from it. Right. That's a very true realism that if you train them in the white way, even though there's in the rebellion stages, at some point they'll come back into that way they were trained. Right now they're in the rebellion stages. Amen. Uh, so, I believe that. Uh, let's see. There was another one that was pretty good. Can you tell my wife, this one I was laughing at, can you tell my wife I'm doing my best? (laughs) Abram can, just talk to Abram when we're done here. (laughs) But normally there's a little bit more to that. There's a little bit more to that. This isn't my first rodeo. Uh, Has anyone, has anybody ever asked you to be baptized in the spirit and fire? Hmm. Um, I don't think personally what this whole doctrine, I'll try to make it pretty quick because there's different views, of course, John MacArthur's view versus Jack Hafer's view. But often something is clearly missing in the life of of most believers. Clearly missing. There's not rivers of living water running out. There's dead stagnant water. There's no spiritual life. They're dead spiritually. And so they need this. This baptism of fire, this yeah. mighty filling of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to call it the anointing, the unction, the baptism, the fire, yeah. the endowment of power. Whatever it is, you know when you have it, you know when you don't. Yes. And so as a person, we, like, I think that's what happened to you on this altar. I've seen it. I've seen it I, I don't think I remember how many times now since in 12 years of this yeah. church at the altar, people in the prayer room finally repenting, finally crying out to God and being filled with fire and just... Like, there's just joy, and they, the next week I see their faces all lit up. And, but I, I love the Bible now. I can't wait to get to church. What happened? I've been a Christian for 20 years. You've got this, this mighty feeling of the Holy Spirit. You got rid of you, and you allowed God to take full residency. You repented of that pride, the critical spirit, the anger, the judgmentalism, the lust. And you said, Lord, I want to serve you with all my heart, and the Holy Spirit came upon you. But I have prayed for people many times that, that would he, the Holy Spirit would come upon them, would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That, that's just quoting the Bible. And, um, but it's not me praying for them. It's not like this here comes this pastor's anointing through his. But there is something, I think, also to the laying on of hands. Oh, yeah. The Bible says that the laying on of hands. And yeah. It's almost like agreeing with them. And, but it's not a transfer of spiritual power like you're hooking up battery cables necessarily. But there have been people, many of you know Eva Marie. I mean, that ministry, unbelievable. I mean, it's just a lot of of positive things. Uh, Not all positive, with the enemies working too. 
But, I mean, literally, when you, when you touch sometimes people, they feel that, that electricity. And that even, even when people are healed, I just felt this electricity go down my whole body, and I was healed. And sometimes, I, I mean, I've, I've went, I, not here, but men's events, and go to pray with the, just men, and he'll just begin to just, he'll like fall down and just begin weeping and weeping. He couldn't stand. But there's still, there's something with, I'm not sure how it works. I know it's not mystical and magical, but there's something agreeing with, anointing, the laying on of hands. Yes. Paul laid on his hands, commissioned Timothy. And so mm-hmm. there's something to that, the laying on of hands, the elders to lay on their hands. Um, so my point was, I'm not going to give somebody a, a, a spiritual power. It, it, it's, it's what's happening in their heart. I'm only agreeing with what they're, what they're, what's going on in their heart. And we're praying for them. Lord, answer our prayer. Give this person that mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Yeah. And so the word baptism is just an overwhelming presence of God's Spirit. Uh, and so I don't think we both agree there's not a second work after salvation. In other words, okay, you're a believer, you're saved, but, but you know, yeah. it's going to be a while. Maybe ten years from now, you might receive the second work of God's grace. And I think mm. Wesley taught this. Others mm-hmm. did. They called it a second work of grace. Maybe even Billy um, oh, what was his name? Uh, Charles Finney. But mm-hmm. I believe you have all the Holy Spirit at conversion. I do too. But does he have all of you? Mm-mm. And once he eventually has all of us, after the, my finances are falling apart, after I go back into rehab, after I, this addiction takes me down again, after my wife walks out, after mm-hmm. I lose my job, after I'm so depressed and, and I just cry out, finally I give him everything. Then the mighty spiritual baptism comes into the, that believer. They could have had it this whole time. Yeah. But often it takes getting, that's what happened to me. And I, I, he took everything away from me. Everything. And then finally cried out to God and the, the, the Bible comes alive. Couldn't stop reading it. Mm-hmm. And I started praying and worshiping and that's where the gifts of the Holy Spirit were manifest in my own life. I saw it. What Paul's, what Paul's saying, I'm, I'm, oh, that happened mm-hmm. to me too. Mm-hmm. So why would I say it doesn't happen anymore? It, 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 what Paul's talking about was happening to me and in my own heart. Um, so that's what our thought is on the baptism yeah. of the Holy Spirit and praying for that. I actually don't use that time. That time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the only time in the New Testament is you're baptized into the body of Christ. After that, it talks about subsequent fillings of the Holy Spirit and Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, after the temptation, or after coming up out of the yeah. Jordan, being baptized and was filled with the Holy Spirit, and Paul being filled with the Holy Spirit. So see, you have this, why would they say that if there wasn't some ec- extra power and doom of power coming upon them? They're, they're, they're saying that for a reason. Peter denying Jesus, now he's preaching, and Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, rebuked this entire audience. When, when we're just, what, how many, how many weeks earlier did he? Ten days before. Yeah, he just, he ran from, he, he oh no, I don't know this guy. What was the difference? The Holy Spirit. Uh, and we'd love to pray with you guys if you ever need that. Is a vaping pipe a sin? What about tattoos? Uh, I would say it's not healthy. Um, I, I mean, well, here's the thing. With sin, at, at the core of sin is I'm doing something I know I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you know you shouldn't be doing something, it's putting you in an early grave. It's not good for you. Uh, it's, it's missing the mark. Yeah. Then I, I would say it's, it's something you want to look at. Tattoos. Um, I'll let Russell answer that question later. Um, no, I don't think, I, I don't think, uh, I've always said for me it was never a good idea. I didn't like a needle and ink in my arm for an hour and a half. I just, I don't like needles, I don't like ink in my skin. So I just never have a, but I don't think it's, uh, I don't think somebody's sinning if they get a tattoo. Um, 
I don't know, Abram, you have any thoughts on that? You're going to get feedback. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it's a sin. Um, the Bible does talk about you know, March, March for the Dead. Yeah, but, um, but that was in the context of March for the Dead. Uh, we know a lot of pagan cultures. Um, I just, I don't know if it's um, the best decision, but I wouldn't call it uh, flat out you're sinning. You're, you're outside of the will of God if you get a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's the What do you get? Mark of the Beast or, or a cross? Yeah. That's a good point. What's, what's, what's the design? Mm-hmm. What's the testimony going to be? A cross or a naked lady? Mm. Big difference there. Uh, what is, what's our thoughts on preachers who stand up on the soapbox? You know, if God's called them to do that, uh, um, Ray Comfort has a good ministry. Like that, he's, he, he spoke here about three years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, we met him at some event, and I asked him. He said he would do that. So I think if God's called you to do it, um, you know, take a little bit of, of knowing God. Because I also think of don't, don't throw your, your pearls to the swine. And so, but that's, if God's calling you to do it and you've got a platform. Um, I remember at AV College, before they banned me from passing out stuff, I would go there and pass out stuff for an atheist event. Mm-hmm. And I would stand in the middle and guys would be talking. I'd be, I'd be talking pretty loud so they could hear, but, you know, a good, good 15, 20 people were listening, sitting down, could hear everything. And so I felt really emboldened and power and boldness to do that and felt great. Uh, so I think if God opens a door and it, it, it's, it, it fits your calling and it, it's, you do it with the right attitude, I think it can be good. Um, let's see. Anybody else have any questions? You want to go back and have Joe text us? Unless you can be really loud and to the point real quick. Uh, how can we witness to or invite coworkers and neighbors to church? Without being too awkward, cheesy, or overly confrontational. <laughs> That's actually because we do it a lot, yeah. and I'm kind of it's kind of weird. I usually don't tell them I'm the pastor, though. I usually just invite them to a to a church and ah, I see you. Um, but it's, to me, you can't be forceful. It's it comes naturally uh, at a gas. George, you're pretty good. At that. You've been, you invite a few people, you know, just at a gas pump, right? Hey, how you doing? Good. Can I pray with you? Pray? Oh yeah. And I I, I would just. Be open and flexible. What God wants to do, start a conversation, yeah. but don't be overly cheesy, like or pushy, or. Yeah. Um, but you'll be amazed at what God does if you just step out and say, "Hey, how's it going?" Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, I've done that. I paid for gas for somebody, yeah. and you can tell oh, it's all right. Was there anything I pray for you for, and kind of open that door? Yes. And um, I don't know. Do you have any tips on that one? Yeah, just being, um, just being friendly is a good start. Just, just. Uh, if you notice, Jesus never approached people the same way. Um, yeah, and I, I, I really am sensing more as I study scripture that if you pray for these appointments, that God will bring people to you. He would bring people your way, and Jesus was attractive. Um, so that that you know is part of it. But uh, I just try to, like Pastor said, I try to be friendly. Uh, there's been times when I just try to bless someone or. Um, and I had a guy at a gym the other day. It comes naturally. Yeah, it just comes naturally. I just talk to him, and I don't tell him I'm a pastor. I, I try not to, and and um, just just try to to be kind to people and ask them, hey, you know, um, can I ask you a question? You know, sometimes I, I'll go there. If I feel like God is giving me the liberty to uh, share the gospel with them right there at that moment, I just will. I'll go right into it. So 
uh, just be prayed up. Just really let God direct you in that. Don't be pushy. You know, if someone says, no, I'm okay, just then you just back mm-hmm. off. And um, But, yeah, just be sensitive to, to what God wants to do. Well, we were flying out of Burbank, you know, a couple weeks ago to Texas, and this guy with a baby, mm-hmm. and this young couple missed their flight. They closed the door on him. He's cussing at the lady. And, and I, you know, and, oh, wow, pretty bad. And they sit down. They're all upset. And um, I, I told Morgan, I'm, I'm just going to go see if I can get him lunch or breakfast or something. So I went over there. And say, hey, if you guys need, I saw what happened. If you need me, you know, lunch or breakfast. And that kind of just, Diffuse. oh, man. Oh, no, man. Thank you so much. Don't worry about it. It'll work out. It'll work out for better somehow, some way. And so you can be that diffuser. Yeah. But finding the right, you know, the right time to do it and the right attitude. Um, and th- this next question, there's actually two. I think we'll end here pretty soon. Uh, different levels in heaven and different crown. How does that work? And, you know, that's kind of still a mystery because the Bible that's At least when I write it, it sounds like there is rewards mm-hmm. based on how you live here on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what that hierarchy looks like. I don't know uh, the crowns. I don't think you can lose the crowns, they're asking. It's, 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 and that's why they have that image of, of, think of Revelation, bowing, putting the crowns down before the feet of Jesus. Uh, so we don't, I want to teach on heaven sometimes, but there's so much to it. Uh, there is, there seems to be different positions there where you're going to be rewarded for the works you did here. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people won't have, uh, that the same amount of rewards. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't think anybody does. No, not specifically, but it does say lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yes. And Paul at the end of his life said, you know, I've, I've run my race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord will give to me, and not to me only, but all those who love is appearing. So I do believe there are uh, rewards in heaven. I do believe that at the judgment seat of Christ, um, we will give an account for our lives, and then there will be reprimands there and rewards there. Um, I believe there's reprimands because it talks about, like, God's going to wipe away tears in heaven. I really, truly believe that God's going to show us maybe what we missed out on, you know, he's going to show us, um, you know, just some areas where we, we could have gotten more rewards. I don't know what it may be. We don't really know. But I do know um, that Scripture does tend to say that there will be rewards. Okay. One last came in about how do we keep our life balanced? Mm. Joe, is that pretty close? Oh, when you're called into ministry, how to keep your life balanced. That's a good one. Um <laughs> You know, I would say everyone, whether you know it or not, as a Christian, you're in ministry. Yes. We're all, we're all in ministry. We're out there ministering. What we do here is just a little, little aspect of that. What the homeless group is doing is different. What the, you know, uh, the Planned Parenthood and they're protesting that. So we're all in ministry, but if you, let's say, like, let's say God calls you into more of an active role, you never forget the first priority, that being that relationship with God. That, that's, that's, that has to be, um, you let the Bible preach to yourself, or you preach to yourself first. You preach the gospel to yourself consistently. Yeah. And that relationship with God is first and foremost. Amen. And if you're married, of course, you have to make sure the marriage and the children and all that, and you, you keep those things somewhat balanced. Sometimes they'll, they'll fall out of order and you get too busy, but, but you keep that ministry in, in, in focus with, with these things as the foundation. Yes. And you don't let other things come and pull. Because that's what happens. Uh, 
if we get too busy, kids end up in resenting the ministry. You know, dad's always gone or mom's always gone. Always problems at home. Always be, you know, and you're, you're being, you're being pulled in too many different directions. So finding that balance in anything in life with work or whatever you're doing is keeping, keeping that relationship with God front and center. Yes. Uh, for sure. So, uh, any last minute questions? I already have 35 anyway. <laughs> Bill, last one. <laughs> oh, what would I ask? What would I ask the young men wanting to marry our daughters? Is that is that the question? Uh, you want to go first? I go first. I would just really try to get to see, you know, what his relationship is like with the Lord. Um, I, one of my instructors in seminary, uh, he would not allow. Um, he had, I think, three daughters. He wouldn't allow. Um, his daughter to be married to anyone unless that man had twenty thousand dollars in savings um, and um, a few other pretty uh, pretty strict um, standards. Now I, I'm not I'm thankful for that because that wasn't the case with my wife because uh, <laughs> I was coming out of seminary and I was you know single mom. Just there's no way you know it would take me like four years to get married. But um, um I just think. The main thing I would ask him is, you know, what does his walk with the Lord look like? Um, I'd ask him about just what's, what does he want to do, like, because he needs to be able to provide for my daughter. I'd ask him about what his plans are there. I'd ask him about any previous relationship. I'd ask him the tough things. You know, I, I'd ask him, um, you know, is he going to take her? I just... Yeah, those main three things. This is his walk with the Lord. You know, what's his plan to provide, and and um, you know, just previous relationships. Yeah. If he can share with that. So yeah, I've got four daughters right now, um, and one son. But I think the reason with the twenty thousand saved is he wants to see that the the persons are financially responsible. That's so I guess it depend upon the age of the person, and yeah. uh, but that's usually the reason behind that. But what 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 we found even in ministry is. How the father treats the daughter is really going to set them up for success or failure. Oh, yeah. So you see a lot of daughters being promiscuous. It's because they're, they're lacking that love at home. Yeah. They're not being built up and esteemed at home. And so they're looking for it at other places. Yes. And so once we, not perfectly, I've apologized to my kids, you know, quite often. Sorry I got short-tempered. Sorry I couldn't keep that commitment. Let's, let's redo this again. Um, uh, fortunately, my two oldest daughters are on fire for God. I, I don't know how, I mean, just yeah, by his grace. Right. Uh, so my point was, they, they know what they're looking for. You know, if they see it in their dad, that's, that's what I want. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's the kind of guy I need to, to have. And then you can kind of point them in that direction. Yeah. Uh, and then it depends on the age. I mean, obviously, if you're in your home, you can... Um, have a you can have a, part, a, yeah. a say in who they're going to date. Yeah. No, I don't think that person's right for you. I don't think that's the, the timing's right. Uh, and it all, all goes on on timing, too, yeah. um, on, on ages and different things. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. you know, my oldest started dating a little, little earlier than a couple people here at this church thought she should be dating. Mm-hmm. And they made sure we knew and she knew. And I'm like, well, you're not her parents. And uh, she's very mature and we're yeah. keeping an eye on things. Yep. It always comes from people who don't have kids often. <laughs> you know, so, 
You'd be amazed at the stuff we deal with. You'd be if I would have, I would have left this church a thousand times if it wasn't for no. I mean, just quitting, giving up. Who I mean, if people hurt people, sheep bite. Uh, but it's it's a camaraderie, it's a fellowship, it's a unity of coming back together. And, and all of you that I know, I mean, most of us are wanting to work on unity. That's what I love because it's not it's not that you have falling outs. You know, we've, 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 it's, it's getting back on the same track. I mean, I apologize to Russell. I felt bad. We, we used to have a really strong relationship eight years ago and it kind of just fell apart and I seemed distant and hey, I don't want to, you know, apologizing, fixing that work. I think it came back stronger, yeah. you know, and, and that's how you get stronger in the Lord. But anyway, I'm getting off track of Phil's question. So I would, when they're in my home, I'm going to have a say so in who they're dating. Amen. Uh, for sure. And I would, yeah, I would probably ask the guy. Yeah. According, according, okay, according. Yeah, that's a good, that's, well, see, that's a whole nother debate. See, what people don't understand, it's not like, oh, go date, try it out. You wait until you find the person, at least, I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, just date, 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 mm-hmm. date. It's like you see someone that could be potential, there's an attraction there, they love the Lord, it meets uh, uh, equally yoked. You could see how God could put this together and you help them steward that relationship. Yeah. I don't think dating for the sake of dating, what I did in high school, oh, oh my no. Lord. Oh, no. Man, oh, no. It's, that's not healthy, that's not no. good. So I think when we hear the word dating, we instantly think, you know, that's, that's not good. Where you think courting, like we're going to help them find the right person. And uh, we're going to tell them, at least if they're under our roof, I mean, if I don't agree with even someone my son was going to be dating, I'm saying, you're not going to be dating her, son. Yeah. It's just you're under my house and my yeah. rules. And I just, yeah. I, you know, when, you eight, when you're 18, you can go, that's up to you. But even I don't even really want to say that because if you're still under my house, I'm paying your bills. Yeah, yeah. You know, right <laughs> until you get out of the house, that's, then that's you can call the shot. So um, anyway, I think does that answer your question, Phil? Kind of. Yeah. So we would be. be yeah. Well. Okay, so that question is, what's the best way we can encourage you? Like, while we're actually speaking, yeah. like you're in a black church, amen, brother, <laughs> preach it, preach it, brother, amen. Come on. Man. That's it. So I love oh. preaching in black churches. Oh, I'll tell you what, they'll, they're like, they'll stand up and say, you preach it, brother. It's like the whole place. It's He's like, not lying. Not lying. I told you. I and they'll it. just get crazy. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> okay. Um... I, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to say because we have had people, Do that. not actually here, but in the past, where it's so distracting. Amen, 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 <laughs> amen. It's like, it's very distracting. So I think it's common sense, uh, kind of. But also, we tell people this frequently. Um, we're open to constructive criticism as long as it's coming from the right heart. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, Rick has come to me with constructive criticism. Russell's come to me with constructive Bill's come to me. Phil, Gene has. Uh, construct, you know, like, hey, what, what's going on here? What do you, and, and Tito has, I mean, it's, it's, it, we love the, the coming, those who love you, if yeah. they can offer, uh, Matthias, yeah. you know, told us, don't mention Joel Steen as much. <laughs> don't mention, because it, it, it pulled, how, how it, are we doing that, that was good. Yeah, how we do? We do it, I'm, I'm doing, all right, good. <laughs> but his point was good, like, Joel Steen or this guy or this guy, it's like, ah, I don't, yeah. you might, you tune that too much. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's a good point, yeah. because he loves us. He wants, he wants what's rep, to, wants us to represent God well, and so man, if we I love that feedback. Amen. It's the people with the critical heart that I won't. I don't want to hear from them. And I'll tell they're like, oh, I knew you'd never be open from feedback. Not from you. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I don't want a critical heart who doesn't like me personally. Doesn't like what I'm doing. You slam the church. You're going to give me advice. Mm. 
just, and, and I usually tell them that too. Uh, but the majority of people were open, you know, to, to if you've, you've got questions, why do we do this? Why aren't we doing? Somebody just asked, why don't we do communion more? And they weren't, I'm assuming it, people know that there's communion every single Sunday at the first service. Yeah. But a lot of people aren't aware of that. So that was a good way to, for me to, to, oh yeah, we need to mention that. So, but Will, yeah, I mean, if, 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 if you're excited, like Saturday when I preached, there's a lot of people who got excited. Mm-hmm. That was encouraging. Yeah. So I think if it, if it fits and you want to feel like a black church for a little while, <laughs> you know. But isn't yeah, that true? That's so true. Man, I'll uh, never forget. I was, they just, uh, they can dance too. Yeah, we go. We go. One more question. No more Tito. No? Yes. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I was actually looking for that one. Well, here's the thing. Angry at God, um, I have before. Uh, I have at certain situations, but it's what you do with that anger. If you're like, Lord, I'm feeling this anger. This is not right. Help me. I'm going to open the Psalms. I'm going to, I'm going to need the bomb of Gilead. Yeah. You know, you, they would call it. And, and, mm-hmm. and just, Lord, this isn't right. So I'm taking it to the Lord. I'm handling it the right way versus those getting angry at God. How could you? And then they get bitter, bitter yeah. and resentful and begin to turn from him. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I can be angry. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I can't, I guess I can't say it's, it's been quite a while. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I think it's okay to recognize, should you have an emotion? Angry at God. Uh, my biggie would be um, struggling with trusting Him. Even while we see America, the Titanic has been hit. Look at what's going on. Getting, anybody getting fearful? Like, you know, sometimes that's part of the human emotions come in. And then, so I struggle with that more than being angry at God. But I take it to the Lord. So I yeah. think it, 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 it's a natural emotion, but what do you do with it? Yeah, we, we both um, probably uh, met people who maybe they lost a child. And I've seen um, this, and it caused them to, to get hardened towards God. Um, my mother, um, she lost uh, the first, uh, my first sister um, at eight months. Um, she went to, to heaven with spinal meningitis. And um, her family were very critical on how they handled the whole situation. And so it was just a bad situation all around. Um, But instead of it hardening in her heart, she was away from the Lord when this happened. Instead of it hardening in her heart, it drew her to God. Mm -hmm. And um, she never let go, you know, to get through that. So I just want to, yeah. What you do with it. What you do with it. Yeah. And I think Job is like... Nobody's had it that bad. Nobody. Like, not even... Nobody. How? Uh, but I want to answer one thing that came up, just so you guys know, you know, how do we choose elders? Mm-hmm. For example, you have to read Timothy and Titus. There's qualifications. And some people just aren't... They're, they're qualified to be a deacon or a servant, but they're not qualified for teaching spiritual leadership. It's a whole different dynamic. Yes, sir. So what we do is we just kind of sit back... See what God is doing. Yeah. Who is God raising up? Mm-hmm. And wh- at what time? Uh, now, I will tell you this. The two shall become one flesh. So if the wife is real challenging and Jezebel tendencies, and it's, it's, gonna, it's, it's, it's not going gonna, it's not gonna to work to have a man in leadership with that, with that difficulties in her. 
if that makes sense, because the two become one flesh. Yeah. You get the whole package, yeah. and the wives are just as important in keeping the unity and consistency and structure of the church together. Amen. And so we look at the whole package. We also see their kids and the respect of their kids. Um, and that passage has been out of, I, I think, taken out of context where, let's say somebody, their 19-year-old son, they raised their kids well, they did yeah. as good as they can, but their son at 19 decides to just rebel. Yeah. They say, look, you shouldn't be an elder anymore. Well, he's 19. He's on his own. I did everything I can do. As much as it depends upon me to govern my house within the scope of under my roof, I can. But once they, I mean, and people yep. have used that to really get people get out, people out of, yeah. of, of leadership. So that's what we're looking for. Um, but we also look for those who don't want that position. If you're going around, I want to be elder. I want to be, a, it's usually status recognition. But we actually look at it as, to me, it's more Dying to self, leading the family. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I made more money in real estate. And so I could have made, I was really on a fast track for a year. Like you see Maxi Case, Tarasian, or Ferris out there on all these signs. I, that's where I was going. And God said, no, time to plant a church. <laughs> and so doing that, understanding it's, it's dying to self, it's leading people. Uh, and you don't, it's not a glorified position. I mean, if you, 30 years ago, maybe a pastor now is not, I try not to tell people that when I travel. Cause it's not, I mean, it's not a, it's not like you're a CEO, I'm a CEO of Procter and Gamble. Or I'm a CEO of Pfizer. Or I'm a leader, you know, it's not really a glorified position, which is fine. It's more of that humble servitude. So we look at who God's raising up. We, we understand that a man might be qualified in some areas, but he's not really a teacher. The elder is supposed to rightly divide the word, very knowledgeable in the Bible. If they haven't read the Bible all the way through a few times, you know, uh, also age plays a role. How old are they? Some would even say they have to be married and have at least a child or two because you have to see if they're able to rule their house well. So does that mean a single man can't be an elder to church? You know, I I don't know. I don't know on that one. Uh, But that's what we do. We look at the. The whole package, also their demeanor, their character, yeah. uh, inside the church, outside the church. What are they posting on Facebook, social media? <laughs> I mean, w- w- it's it's the whole package. And also the spouse plays a big role. I mean, over yeah. the years, whew, I would say, man, there's probably been six, maybe four, even you got here, six, seven, eight men that were going to be solid elders, but that the, the spouse was, you know, just, you know, always... Causing problems and divisive, and you can't because then now she's in leadership. Now she's the pastor, a pastor's elder's wife. Man, it's it's difficult, and they, and they knew it. Um, and we've had another one had to step down because of his wife. Um, she tried to take the women's ministry over, uh, and that was interesting. We've had some interesting. I got steamrolled one one night after a service. Um, but uh, so anyway, there's a lot of different things happen um, in ministry, and I hope that kind of sums it up well for you. Our whole our whole goal was to get to know us better, get to know the church better, and ultimately use some of these answers to draw you closer uh, to the Lord. So, Amen. any last questions on, on sermons or anything? Direction of the church, everyone's good, good on that. Did you hear the q and I, I, I gave the financial update of the church. We released that on a video. Um, so I sent that out, I think about a week ago, answered mm-hmm. some financial questions, budgeting questions, future direction of the church. Uh, things like that I answered in that video so